With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. He's going to see his production decrease at least 15 to 20%. So I think he might actually be a fantasy bust in 2020. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid dating back to 1999 has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the glide guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson, Dr. Roto, and Michael Fabiano. Yo, what's up, what's up? It's your boy, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, and welcome to the SI Fantasy Podcast. Got my guys rocking and rolling right along with me. They are Michael Fabiano and Dr. Roto. Coming up on the program today, we're going to sit down and start getting you ready for fantasy football drafts, and we're going to talk rookie running backs and second-year running backs. Michael Fabiano, what's good with you, my man? Man, it's hot out here in Southern California, dude. Like, I know complaining about the weather in SoCal, you know, it's like first world problems, but we are going through a heat wave right now. So in a lot of the places that I live in this area, uh, the South Bay, it's called, a lot of the houses don't have AC and the house that I'm in doesn't have AC. So I'm sweating, my man, but everything else is all good. How about you Why guys? Why are you in a house with no, AC, with no air conditioning? <laughs> because, because it's literally like you can walk to the beach in, I don't know, 40 minutes. Okay. So it's less than two miles from the beach. So none of these houses at least the ones that were built back in like the 80s, have AC because people figured, well, close to the beach, don't really need it. Uh, that There's probably a month or so every year where I'm learning that you definitely need it. So, And this is it, that time of the year right now. What's up with you, Doc? What's going on, my man? Well, in South Florida, we need it. I live with it. Central air is my best friend. So uh, I, I, I'm sorry for you, Fabs. I really am. Uh, I, I Doc, I used to live in South Florida. So I know exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. It is, it is never cool there. It is just sort of like tears of hot. (laughs) Hot, Hotter, oh my God, it's so hot. Exactly. I'm staying inside. Right, exactly. All right. So let's get ready to break it down and rock and roll. We finally starting to get some action. We starting to get the pads popping. We're starting to see some drafts kicking off. I seen Fabs, you was in the Kings Classic um, this past weekend, I was in the Kings Classic Auction, and I know, Doc, you've been in uh, doing some leagues and stuff like that. Don't forget FFWC leagues, you know, also starting up right now as you can head on over to the Fantasy Football World Championship and get involved with that. My good buddy Scott Atkins is doing a wonderful job running that competition this year. All right, so let's get ready to break it down. Doc, I'm going to start with you. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, go. 
what don't I like about Clyde Edwards Hilaire? I just took him fifth in a draft I did last week. I mean, he has the perfect opportunity, right? So this is a guy who's going to get, I don't know, at least 65 to 70 receptions. He's going to get at least, I don't know, 200 carries. I mean, he plays with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on, on an all-world offense. If you are not taking him in the top seven picks, then you're playing scared. I played a win in fantasy football, and he is a winning pick. There's nothing this guy can't do what do you think fabs just you know mark me down as ditto okay I, I love him he's my number one breakout player for 2020 and i'm going to be talking about that on si.com slash fantasy here very shortly this week he is in a great position to succeed and also let me add that every single running back in his first year as the featured back for andy reed has been rb10 or better going back to deuce daly in 1999 Brian Westbrook, LaShawn McCoy, uh, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt. None of them have finished worse than the RB10 in PPR leagues. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good little drop. That's a good little dig right there. Listen, That's I mean, what I bring, man. That's what I bring. <laughs> I like it. That's why we brought Fabs along. Um, oh, that's why you were so, we are so low. <laughs> so I get the big bucks. We're so honored so to I get have the big you. Bucks. Yes. Hey, man, listen, I'm honored to be on with you guys, man. This is a lot of fun. All right, so let's do it. All right. You know who I'm feeling, though, to be honest with you guys this year? I'm feeling Josh Jacobs, Mike. And the thing I like about Josh Jacobs is I think he's got some workhorse features to him. I think he can do it all. Like, I don't really think he has a lot of attention for carries. I think he's a talented young ball player. Listen, are the Las Vegas Raiders the best offensive line, the best offense to run behind? I don't think so. But I think we're looking at a kid that's going to be a first-round draft pick this time next year. I'm all in on him. The only thing holding him back is catching more passes out of the backfield. And last year, I mean, his target numbers were pathetic. He didn't even have 30 targets last year. I believe it was 20 catches on the season, somewhere in that area. And you have to sort of figure out, what do I believe? Do I believe Mike Mayock and John Gruden, who were saying, we've got to get him more involved in the passing game? Or do you believe what the Raiders have done in the offseason, which has been add a lot of pass catchers to the passing game. And is there enough of that pie sort of spread out where Josh Jacobs can give me 30 or 40 catches? I feel like there is enough. If he can avoid injuries, Jacobs is is an absolute lock to potentially be a top 12 fantasy running back this season. No doubt about it. What do you think, Doc? Yeah, I think there's even more upside for Jacobs. So I'm going to give him 30 receptions this year. I think that's easy. But I think the Raiders need to get rid of Carr. When they do and bring in Mariota, who I, I know that Gruden loves, I think ru- mobile quarterbacks create running lanes. And I think Jacobs will have even more room to run. And I think he could be really deadly. Like I'm talking 1,200, 1,300 rushing yards and maybe 10 touchdowns. That's pretty darn good. In standard leagues, I think he's a first-round pick for sure. In PPR leagues, more in the second. But I think he could be inching closer to the first. That's interesting that you mentioned that, um, that you mentioned the, um, you know, what the coaches say versus what happens. And we all know the King Scott angle, right? Scott would always say, if a head coach is standing at a podium moving his lips, he's lying. So it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how it plays out this year. Listen, I think there is place for non-pass catching backs, but you got to really, really hit it kind of like what Derrick Henry did last season or what I think Nick Chubb is going to do uh, this upcoming season. Uh, Mike, Miles Sanders, last year stashing cash. I have heard the Philadelphia Eagles plan say that they plan on using him kind of akin to how the Panthers used Christian McCaffrey. And we just had news come out today where Doug Peterson said that Miles Sanders is the guy. Is Miles Sanders the guy in the second year? ADP coming in somewhere around 11 to 13. 
I dig him, man. If it weren't for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Sanders would be my breakout player for 2020. And in fact, he had been before Damian Williams opted out and I just went bananas on the glide. Sanders is in a great position to succeed. Last year, you look at the numbers he put up over a four or five game stretch where Jordan Howard was out, averaging well over 20 touches per game, averaging over 20 fantasy points per game, proved that he can be a featured back in the National Football League, even though it was a small sample size. And guys, every morning I wake up and I look at Twitter, and I look at the NFL updates, and I pray to God that I don't see Eagles have signed running back X because I don't want that, man. He is in a great position to succeed. Only Boston Scott and Corey Clement behind him on the depth chart. I'm sure Scott will see his share of opportunities. Not enough to keep Miles Sanders from being a true featured back in Philadelphia. Absolutely love him at the end of the first round or maybe at the turn there, top of round two. Doc, you getting involved? Oh, I'm getting very involved. And I think the beauty of Sanders is actually Boston Scott is pretty good. See, I don't think they need to bring in another running back because Scott can catch the ball and he ran the ball effectively when Sanders was out at the end of last year. So I really think that Sanders is going to get 20 to 25 touches. And would it shock you if I thought that he might be a top seven or top eight overall player in fantasy football this year? I think he's going at like 12 or 13, but I think that's actually good value. You get him around the turn, you might be winning your league. So I, I want people to sleep on Sanders because if I'm picking 11 or 12 I'm absolutely taking him all right so this is where I think we're going to start to see some dissension in 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 the group Jonathan Taylor now I got him in the Kings Classic this week you know whatever yeah I'm I'm not thrilled because I'm a Marlon Mack guy oh how can you be a Marlon Mack guy well give me a dude that ran for back-to-back thousand yard seasons that knows the offense one of the best O-lines in football and can block and does not have a fumbling problem Jonathan Taylor's a big-time home run hitter, Mike, right? And I get the talent, and I get the allure to the rookie running back. But honestly speaking, I'm not paying the John Taylor price when I can slide down and grab Marlon Mack a little bit later on. Now, you may say Marlon Mack is nothing special, but back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons is kind of cool to me. Yeah, Taylor right now, if you look at his ADP, I mean, you're looking at 35.7. He's the 17th running back coming off the board. And, of course, you know, we're talking about the big boy leagues, the high-stakes leagues. So... They like him. I would say that when he first got drafted, the initial response was he was getting drafted too high. I saw him going in the second round across the board. I'm like, eh, Marlon Mack is still there. He's in a contract year, and it's not like he's an old running back. And I I feel like he's going to end up being the week one starter. I really do. What I'm worried about, though, Corey, is how long is he going to keep that job? What point in the season does Frank Reich show enough of Jonathan Taylor uh, that it's it's sort of time to move on from Marlon Mack and then make Jonathan Taylor the number one back in that offense? I don't think Taylor's ever going to be featured back the featured back in 2020 because you got Naheem Himes, you got Marlon Mack. They're both better pass catchers than Jonathan Taylor. But at some point, I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor uh, were the week in and week out leader in terms of carries out of that backfield. I'd feel more comfortable drafting him in the fourth round. I feel like that's sort of the comfort zone for me. I don't want to go third round. I certainly don't want to go second round, especially in this COVID-19 situation where Jonathan Taylor has not had OTAs. There's not going to be preseason games. Not sure about how he's going to do in pass protection there during his rookie campaign. And that's a big question mark for a lot of rookie running backs, including a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who Dak and I absolutely love. So there's still some things that we have to learn about Jonathan Taylor, but I 
would not be surprised that at some point during the season, he ends up being more of the guy in terms of the carries and that workload in Indianapolis. In fact, I sort of expect that to happen. What do you think, Doc? Do you think that he takes over? Is, is he like, I don't want to say a stash and cash, but paying good draft capital for him, Doc? Yeah, I think you both make great points. So Fabs is absolutely right. As the season moves forward, Taylor is the guy. But here's the problem with what you just said, Exec. You got to pay the, the draft capital price in round three. So Taylor is what I call a winning pick. He's not going to win you weeks one through eight. But the playoffs, when you get to the playoffs and you need to be good in weeks 14, 15, 16, I think that's when a guy like Taylor thrives and a guy like Mac, you know, disappears. So, but do I want to pay a third round pick for that? I don't know. So, because I'm going to have to draft real well around that, around Taylor to get to week 14. So it's one of those push-pull kind of situations. You take Taylor, you may not play, make the playoffs, but if you take Taylor, you may end up winning a league championship. Interesting stuff. Breaking it down, my guys, Michael Fabiano and Dr. Road on Corey Parson, the fantasy executive debut issue of the issue. Excuse me. It's not an issue. It's, we don't have magazines no more. The debut of the SI <laughs> Fantasy Podcast. Not There's a still plenty of magazines out there. It's all good. <laughs> all right, so peep game, right? A, Doc, it's a pair of young running backs in Buffalo, and I like both of them. I like Devin Singletary, and I like Zach Moss. Singletary struggled with some injuries at times last year, but he looks like a feature back to me. He can catch. He can run. I'm watching this kid play when he's healthy last year, and I'm like, I think he's on to something. But I'm also watching Zach Moss play at Utah, and I'm like, oh, I like his game a lot too. I don't know what to do with this one, Doc. I like both. Is it a handcuff situation? Is it going to be like Darren McFadden, Felix Jones back in the day? Like, what are we going to get, or are you uninterested? No, no, I'm very interested. That's the problem. But I think here you almost have to pick the right way. Now, Singletary was brought along very slowly last year, as you saw. And just when he was going to assume the lead role, he tweaks his hamstring and then it sets him back. But this guy is an absolute three down player. All right. He's a little slow, maybe a four, six, 40, but he can run, he can catch, he can block, he can do everything. They bring in Zach Moss to be the quote unquote Frank Gore type of short yardage goal line back. But the thing is, is that Moss is way more than that. So I think it's one of those things where some people will take Singletary in round six. Some people will take Moss in round eight. I think they're going to end up splitting time and it could end up being a fantasy nightmare. But let me do it this way. PPR leagues, I'm taking Singletary. Standard leagues, I'll take Moss and then I'll take my chances that way. What do you think, Mike? Singletary is going to end up being the guy, uh, but he won't be Zeke or he won't be, uh, for example, Saquon in terms of that that touch share. There is going to be plenty of opportunities for Zach Moss. Now, Zach Moss, he, he tough inside runner, uh, did have to deal with some injuries during his college career. That's a bit of a concern, but I feel like he fits into the Frank Gore role. Now, Singletary, regardless, his big time issue is touchdowns. He's not going to score a lot of them. When they get down inside the red zone and inside the green zone, it's either going to be Josh Allen or likely Zach Moss. So you like the pass catching chops from Devin Singletary. I feel like he's a guy who can give you 12 or 1300 yards scrimmage uh, during the course of the season. But I don't know about that touchdown ceiling. That to me limits him to mostly a flex starter. And in any of the leagues that I've been in where I've gotten Devin Singletary, it has been as a flex. I'm comfortable with him there. I wouldn't want to lean on him as anything more. If I had to be uh, it, it, honest, I mean, even even in a 12-team league or a 14-team league, I don't want him as my RB2 just because I feel like he's got that ceiling because I don't feel like the touchdown opportunities are going to be there for him because you got two other guys 
who may be better down there in the red zone and the green zone in terms of converting. All right, so Mike, let me set this up for you right here. And Doc, you take, I want you to take this question too. So you grab, let's just say you grab, um, let's say you grab your boy, Edward Talia in round one. You come back in round two, you snag Julio. You come back in round three, oh, Odell is still sitting there. You snag Odell. You come back in round four, well, what do you know? Juju Smith-Schuster, T.Y. Hilton, somebody like that. If you have a strong, solid base of three top wides, you wouldn't fool with, and this question goes to both of you, Mike, I'll start with you. You wouldn't fool with Singletary as an RB2 if you have three prime-time wide receivers. Is Odell Beckham Jr. still a prime-time receiver? I, in, my, <laughs> in, my, in my opinion, he is. Uh, I would never find myself in this situation because I always go running back, running back. Okay. So I'm never going to be in a situation where Singletary will be anything more than my three. It's just my strategy this year. Uh, in most years, that's what I've been doing outside of a super flex league or a, a league where uh, you start two quarterbacks, then that changes the scenario. I'm never going to be in that situation. I'm going running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. And if I'm in the fifth round and Singletary's there, he's the best player on my board, then I'll take him. But I'm not going to be in the situation where Singletary might be my RB2. Not going there. What do you think, Doc? Exec, I see exactly what you're saying. And I might be in that situation, but I'm not taking Singletary in five. Okay. I think I would take maybe... I could I could see a David Montgomery, even though I despise oh, him. Why, why David Montgomery Johnson. over Singletary. I was going to go Montgomery next. I, Montgomery well, I'm just, I, I, I can't make Cam Akers. Here's the problem. Okay, I want to take Singletary, but I think I'd rather him in round six because it's the touchdowns. Fabs is a hundred percent right there. I mean, you're 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 talking. You're hoping for seven touchdowns. Hoping. And probably right on the, I mean, if we're in Vegas right now and it's seven, I think it's going to be a push. So I'm not dying for him in round five, but I will take him in round six. That way I can get myself three running backs by round six and three receivers. So what, do you, what, 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 is your, what is your theory on David Montgomery? Because I, he's, I don't, listen, I hate to say that somebody's off my board, but I can't see David Montgomery being on any of my teams. I just, let me tell you something. Mitchell Trubisky, the MVP Mitch, you know, he is horrific, and I just can't – it turns me off to the whole offense, Doc. Right, but Nick Foles will be the quarterback by, I don't know, week one, week two, something quickly. I don't like Montgomery either, but they're committed to Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, right? And that offense is committed to running the football. So you know Montgomery, for better or worse, is going to get 250 carries. And if he averages a mere 3.9 or 4 yards, he's going to get 1,000 yards. And then at the goal line, they're not going to use Tariq Cohen. So, I mean, I hate David Montgomery. That's I do. Strong, but I But I, mean, I think – no, I don't like him. I just, you know me. I like or I hate or I love it. You're either on my team or you're not. But I can see the point from Montgomery that maybe as – if you're going with that strategy, exec, then he might have to be your RB too. Hmm. Fabs, what we got? I feel like this is a situation where we always hear about volume being king in fantasy football, right? Last year, Montgomery had 242 carries. I feel like Doc's right. He's going to go over 250 without question this season, uh, barring any sort of injuries. And anytime they get inside that red zone, that green zone, David Montgomery is going to get his number called, maybe at least once or twice during the course of, uh, of a series. So, He's got the opportunity to be a thousand yard back and give me maybe six to eight touchdowns. I feel like eight might be about the ceiling for Montgomery because he's not going to be utilized a whole heck of a lot in terms of the passing game with Tariq Cohn there. Last year only targeted 35 times, had 25 catches, and 
there's a there, there's obviously a committee situation going on there where Montgomery's kind of like the thumper, the guy that you're going to utilize in between the tackles, and Tariq Cohen's going to be utilized as a pass catcher in passing game situations. So he can't, he's not going to end up being anything more than a low RB two for for me. Last year, 3.7 yards per carry, not very impressive at all. And if the Bears' passing game goes belly up, which I feel like it won't if Nick Foles is the quarterback there, but if it does, defenses are going to be able to stack the box against Montgomery, stop that game, stop that rushing game, and make either Foles or Trubisky, and that would be horrible, beat them through the air. <laughs> so Montgomery, to me, is a flex starter. He's a volume-based flex starter. Can he put up good numbers at the end of the season? I mean, yeah, he's not going to put up great numbers, but you're also going to have really inconsistent stat lines. There's going to be a week where Montgomery is going to go for 110 and a touchdown. You're going to be loving life. Then the next two weeks, he's going to give you 50 on the ground and no scores. And you're like, what the hell am I doing, man? I got to start this guy. I just can't have any faith in him. And that's where David Montgomery scares me a little bit. I, I look at it like, and I, and I get the points that you guys are making, but to me, those he's never going David Montgomery is never going to win you a week. He has a better shot of losing you a week than winning you a week. And that's kind of where I stand with Montgomery, and that's kind of my rub on him, but definitely good points made. Um, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. This is another interesting situation right here. I listen, I I love Florida State running backs. I think they do great, and we've seen them do great when they transition to the NFL. But Daryl Henderson, Doc, is not just gonna go away. Oh yes, he is because he's not—he's not nearly <laughs> as good as Cam Akers. Wow. Bye bye. See you, Daryl. That wow. was Daryl Henderson just leaving. So Cam Akers is special. You said it right. You know, Warwick Dunn, Dalvin Cook, FSU has great running backs. Akers played behind one of the worst offensive lines in college football last year. His head coach was fired in the middle of the season. Well, they, were, they, were, yeah, they were rotating <laughs> the quarterbacks around. I mean, they didn't even have the same guy out there. I mean, that team was just a mess. Put this guy as the lead back on a good team with a coach who trusts him, with a decent offensive line. If this guy doesn't get at least 1,200, maybe more total yards from scrimmage and about 10 touchdowns, I'll be shocked. Ooh, that's that's interesting stuff. Fabs, Doc talking big trash this morning, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's putting up big numbers for acres, but there's a back already in the backfield. There's there's two. I mean, Malcolm Brown is there too. And, of oh, course, yeah. if you listen to Sean McVay, John Kelly's name came up. Oh, I have boy. no idea why, but it did come up uh, in an interview. But I, I feel like with Akers – it's almost a similar situation with Jonathan Taylor. I wouldn't be surprised week one, LA, SoFi Stadium against my beloved Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys, Malcolm Brown is the starter. But that doesn't mean that he's going to lead the team in backfield touches that week. So they're going to end up mixing the three or four running backs, if you believe McVay, uh, over the first few weeks of the season. Especially, let's keep in mind, remember guys, it's so important uh, for running backs coming into their rookie seasons to be able to pass protect. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you can't pass protect, if you can't make sure your quarterback doesn't get drilled, man, you're not going to be on the field. And that's the bottom line. And that's why we're all sort of running blind here from a fantasy perspective as analysts because we can't see it. We haven't seen these guys in preseason. We don't know what's going to be going on in terms of how well they pass protect or not. The NFL game is a whole hell of a lot different than the college game. So with that being said, I still feel like Akers at the end of the year is going to end up being the guy who leads that backfield in touches. It might be a slow climb, though. Okay, hopefully it won't be. I've been drafting him as my running back three flex starter in most of my leagues where he's available fifth or sixth round somewhere in that area. 
But keep it in mind, guys, if a guy can't pass protect, a guy can't be a feature back in the National Football League. And we still have to find out if Cam Akers can pass protect, if the Glide can pass protect, if Tyler can pass protect, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Something to look out for in the first few weeks of the regular season. Did that, the Glide, that came from you? That, like, is that, did that come from your mind or did you hear that somewhere? That's good. So, How about Walt so, Frazier? Clyde the Glide, right? I like it, though. Darius Geis, who is a friend of mine, and okay, I understand. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I'm not going to cancel. Not the best I'm not situation that he's, Mike, I'm not going to cancel you, Mike. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but I, I had a conversation with Darius about about Clyde because they obviously went to the same school, and he brought up Clyde the Glide. Ah, so like that's that. where I use that. Oh, that's good. That, that 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 I like that a lot. All right, Doc. Uh, we got more rookie running backs, young running back. Now the Keyshawn Vaughn thing is interesting because I, I don't know. I'm just not a Rojo guy. I'm not, see, my thing is this. I'm not going to Tampa for the running game. I'm going to Tampa for Godwin and Evans and, 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 and my love affair with O.J. Howard as well, um, <laughs> which is awkward. It's weird. But people are still trying to buy into Keyshawn Vaughn. Rhoda, what do you think? Well, firstly, does O.J. Howard know about your love for him? I'm just a question. <laughs> um, t- Tom Brady is going, to, is going to determine who's the running back. Because if Keyshawn Vaughn gets Tom Brady killed, like Fab said, he's not playing. Yeah. So we know that Rojo, as you know, mediocre as he is, because when you look up mediocre in the dictionary, there's a picture of Ronald Jones. He's going to play because he's not going to get Brady injured. So Arians is starting the season with Jones, and Brady will start the season with Jones. I do think that talent wins out, and Keyshawn Vaughn has plenty of talent, and I think there's room for him. But look, you don't bring in LaShawn McCoy if you feel confident about Keyshawn Vaughn. You bring in LaShawn McCoy because you want to make the playoffs and you want to make a run at the Super Bowl. So as much as I like I like Keyshawn Vaughn, I like him more in dynasties than I do in redraft leagues. That's a good way to put it. What do you think, Michael? I was actually thinking Vaughn could be a nice sleeper when he got drafted by Tampa Bay. And then the offseason sort of continued on. And you hear Ronald Jones is going to be the main guy, although Bruce Arians, uh, I feel like he's never been completely no, honest no. with the media about what he's going to do with his offense, in particular his backfield. We've heard stuff like this before. I also don't trust Ronald Jones as well. I don't feel like he's a three down back in the National Football League. But. Vaughn now has to contend with LaShawn McCoy. Uh, Dario Nguala is there. I can't pronounce his last name. I gave it my best shot. There is competition there for the third down roll. So here's the thing, though. He's certainly worth taking as an RB4 because what happens if Ronald Jones misses a pass protection assignment and he fumbles or he drops a couple of passes and Arians is like, I'm putting the rookie in there to see if I can get a spark. That is obviously within the realm of possibility here in 2020. And if that happens, Vaughn could end up seeing his role elevated. We just don't know right now. Right now, Ronald Jones is the guy to get in that Buccaneers backfield. Although, I've been seeing him go in the 6th and 7th round, man. That is just too rich for my blood. I don't want anything to do with him at that point in the draft. But right now, Vaughn, RB4, maybe in a smaller league in RB5, I will absolutely take a chance on him, maybe sit on him for a few weeks and sort of see what happens there in that backfield. I kind of think Sun be bouncing in on and off the waiver wire all season long. He could pop at some time, though, but it's going to be an interesting story to develop. But that's just like I'm, I'm just not that interested in it. Mike, let's talk about our beloved Dallas Cowboys because we're starting to hear some rumors, some, some little rumblings that Tony Pollard is going to be in the mix this year. Really? Yeah. I'm, uh, we're, we're, you, you're not you know, what, you know what that is? You know what that is? Coach speak. B- That's a bunch of BS, BS. my friend. Yeah. 
Zeke is going to be the featured back. Like, Pollard, he's shown some flashes, man. And if you draft Zeke, say, third overall, which is probably where he's going uh, in terms of consensus, Second you better me. get Pollard just in case. Especially, the good thing is that Zeke's already had COVID. So we kind of, maybe we don't have to worry about that as much. I'm not a doctor. I don't know if getting COVID once means you're not going to get it again. Who the hell knows? I don't even think the scientists know at this point. But Zeke is, he ain't coming off the field, man, for Tony Pollard. You're, you're going to end up seeing Zeke get his workload. Pollard will mix in there from time to time. But do I think Tony Pollard's going to come in and put a dent in the Zeke Elliott's touches where we have to be concerned from a fantasy perspective? Heck to the no, my boys. Heck to the no. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say any concern, Doc. Okay, put it like this. It's Pollard to you, Dr. Roto. It, can you... Uh, nah, he's never going mean, to... This is a stupid question. Look, because no, you're I, never going to be able to flex him, right? You're never no, going to be able to no, flex no. him. Yeah. Firstly, Zeke is number three because you've got McCaffrey and Barkley. I, I know you guys have, are Cowboy fans. Yeah, Zeke McCaffrey. is three. Let's just be clear. Exactly. <laughs> Let's be clear. Okay, don't go crazy on me. Here's the problem with Pollard. When you draft Zeke, you have to get Pollard. And sometimes it frustrates me with guys like Zeke and Dalvin Cook that I have to get their backup earlier than I want. Because I think in round nine, when I want to take my quarterback mostly, I may have to take Tony Pollard there. And I think Tony Pollard is going to get four, five, maybe six touches a game. Mm. But you need him because in case Zeke is out clubbing one night hey. or maybe something happens or God Doc, knows, come on. you know, Don't a little FOMO. No, I'm just throwing it out there. Little Zeke, 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 Zeke can do come anything. On, Zeke can do Don't anything. <laughs> I'm throwing it out there. A little juju out there. I'm just saying you need to have Pollard just in case. All right. So do y'all remember maybe about, not, 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 maybe about seven, eight years ago? It was a running back that it was Aaron, it was it was the Houston Texans. It was Arian Forster and I Ben Tate. You remember how if you drafted Arian drafted Arian Forster, you had to draft Ben Tate? But you would get Forster in like the first round and Tate was going in like the fourth round of drafts. That was like the weirdest handcuff situation I've ever seen in my life. You guys remember that? Yeah, I remember Ben Tate come out of Auburn, right? Yes. He was an Auburn yeah. running back, and he had he had some fantasy value for a hot minute, but really never lived up to expectations. Arian Forster, one of the great fantasy running backs of all time, he'd have been a, he would have been much better if he had actually had a chance to really stay consistently healthy. We shouldn't like shouldn't that be like the running back of the year award in fantasy, and we should give it to like if we call it the Arian Forster Award. Would you say if you think of all fantasy running backs of all time, if you had to name an award for fantasy running back of the year? I would I would nominate I would say the Arian Forster Award maybe the Jamal what? Charles Award dude the Ricky, Ricky Bell Award man come Ooh. on man are you talking about the top running back or the biggest Sean Alexander running back the top running Sean back? Alexander Sean Alexander his the contract that he signed what in his age thirty season that will go down as one of the worst contracts in the history of the National Football League and it's also. Partially the reason why running backs don't get paid because people look back, oh, Sean Alexander, he was great, and then he got signed to a big deal. I think he was like 29 or 30 years old, and he absolutely went down the tank after right. that. Speaking of 29, 30 years old, you guys know that um, Devontae Freeman, I don't even think Devontae Freeman is 30 years old yet. Devontae Freeman may be 29, 28, 29 years old. I, I don't. I don't want him going anywhere near Philadelphia. So yeah, he can't no, go anywhere he wants no, except Philadelphia. Anywhere else, not Kansas City, not Philadelphia. Right, not Philadelphia. Do not want. I feel like Freeman's going to end up being that guy that's the first one signed off the street once COVID or an injury causes a running back situation around the National Football League uh, to add depth. Right. So 
I would I would guess that in the first couple of weeks of this season, considering that we haven't had any preseason games, dudes are going to be pulling hammies left and right, man. <laughs> Those soft tissue injuries are going to be a headache for fantasy owners and for NFL teams. And if something like that happens to a running back around the league, and my guess is it probably will, then Freeman's probably going to be on the speed dial. No, his agent is giving him good advice because if he signs now, he's definitely a backup somewhere. But if he waits a little bit, he could be star- a starter in week three and get well, more he money. Went, yeah, he could have went to Seattle, but he didn't think they offered him enough money, so they went and got Carlos Hyde, and then he fired his agent and went to Drew Rosenhaus. So. Right, well, who, hearing, who told him to sit out until he can make big bank when he sure, comes in week sure. three. Yeah. But I'm yep. hearing from people in South Florida that we should consider Devontae Freeman as a civilian. Straight up. They say he's a civilian. He is he's not a, a football player. Well, he, he's getting dra- he's getting drafted in leagues that I'm in, man. Late, but he's getting <laughs> drafted. So I, I, there ain't other civilians out there getting drafted in fantasy football leagues. No, no, I'm a civilian too. You draft yeah, I'm a civilian me, too, exactly. Maybe we'll get, a, we'll get drafted. <laughs> Let me tell you something, bro. <laughs> Take him out. <laughs> I, run six, I run a 6'5", 40. I'm ready to go. Take him out. Get out the game, How about son. that? Get out the game, son. Hey, good time talk with y'all fellas. The debut of the SI Fantasy Podcast, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, Dr. Roto, and now Michael Fabiano. Obviously, this podcast is brought to you by the Fantasy Football World Championship. Go over there and sign up now and start your journey to fantasy football glory. Hey, Doc Fabs, any last words? Go ahead, Doc. Nothing more than be well, take care, and start drafting. Let's get it. <laughs> you know what, man? I am uh, jealous of Doc because he's got AC and I don't right now. So it's already sweltering here in Southern California. But hey, guys, final word. The boys are out there practicing in pads today, man. So football is officially back. Pads are popping. Let's get it rocking. Fantasy football, SI Fantasy Podcast. We'll be back with you on this upcoming Thursday. Be ready. Look out. Download it. Share. Like. And we got you covered all season long.